Welcome to the Legacy Podcast by the Butler Legacy Foundation, created by the family of Sir Milo Butler, a trailblazing Bahamian entrepreneur, freedom fighter, and political leader whose impact is felt throughout the Caribbean to this day. We, his descendants, gathered to share the stories of success and insights that have made us who we are. We are taking ownership of our incredible legacy and empowering others to create their own. Another episode of the Legacy Podcast. Today, we're going to just be continuing for where we ended the last episode, Loretta, where we talked about the impact that Lady Caroline Butler had on Samilo's life as a self-made man. Well, Franklin, let me tell you, it is just so exciting to be here once again. As we have been going through these various um, episodes, it's been so enlightening. And yes, our last episode we ended on the fact that even though we talk about self-made men, we realize that there is always a power behind those men. And in this instance, where our grandfather was concerned, we have to look at the women that were behind him. Firstly, his mother, Francis. you know, who was an, a huge influence on his life. Yep. And then, of course, his life mate, our grandmother, um, Caroline Loretta, who I actually take my name after. I am proudly to say. And of course, his sisters, which were very, very important to him. um, They namely being uh, Mary, Lise, Jane, and Halson. And so today, we're so happy to have two female guests with us who, well, the first one is actually the oldest surviving relative of our grandfather, none other than our retired Justice Ruby Nottage, who is our second cousin. And she's going to be able to share with us stories from her childhood right through to today that she would have um, witnessed and seen with our grandfather. And of course, you must introduce our next guest, our beautiful, beautiful, beautiful next guest. So in addition to that, we have Miss DeSante Small. Uh, I understand previously, Benaby, not too long ago, who's done a lot of work with championing rights of women. The yes vote that we had for a referendum, I think, probably five or six years ago now, maybe even longer. And so she also presently, as I stand, is Director of Communications at the Public Hospitals Authority. And so DeSantis, we want to welcome you to this podcast. And thank you for just committing to share your stories around uh, the, the work that, you know, we continue to do to make sure there's equal opportunities for women in our country. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. I'm sorry. I want Cousin Ruby to say hello. Oh, thank you so much. Hello, Cousin Loretta. I talked too much and I didn't allow you the opportunity to talk. (laughs) 
No, we just love having your introduction, but I appreciate <laughs> your honoring me and allowing me to be a part of this podcast, this Butter Legacy podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. So Loretta, before we get into the meat of the discussion, I just want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, of course, the current Echo here at Bahama, for lending us this incredible venue to host this podcast. And secondly, to the Butler Legacy Foundation, who continues to support the work of making sure this podcast becomes a reality. And so with no further ado, Loretta, I'm going to turn it over to you to kick off this afternoon's conversation just around the women who made the man. Well, first of all, Franklin, I have got to reiterate, we have got one of the most fabulous backdrops for these episodes. And I think that really adds to the dynamics that we enjoy with our guests. And so, Cousin Ruby, I want to start with you, because we know that our grandfather, even though he asked his, he asked the, his heavenly father for seven sons, we know that he had very important and very influential women in his life such as our great-grandmother, who would have been your grandmother, um, Frances Manesta Butler, and then, of course, your mother, um, Jane Butler Bethel, and your aunts, and, of course, his wife, Caroline Loretta. I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about our our great-grandmother and your grandmother, please. Yes, thank you, Uh, Loretta. um, Our grandmother and your great-grandmother was really a woman of action. She was an activist. You know, young people think of activists as being rather gay and bright. She was gay and bright in her time, but she brought to the Bahamas the um, uh, uh, YWCA, Young Women's Christian Association. She founded that. And then the Mother's Club, which many people know right right just off Jail Alley, as it were. That's right. That's right. She began that movement because she saw the need for women who were single mothers usually, single parents, to have support. Support from other women and support from the community. And so the YWCA was there to help young women and the Mother's Club to help mothers who needed it with so many problems that would have faced them during that time. But not only that, you know, really to nurture them to be strong individuals. And while we talk about um, the mothers, I think also one of the reasons why they did that is because she had been exposed. Our grandfather and, and them, they had moved to South Florida at a very early age after her husband had died. She had been exposed to the movements, the civil rights movements. Yep. But a lot of the husbands of these young women were actually abroad on the contract in South Florida. That's so true. In the Bahamas, our men were not present in the home at wow. that time because they were making funds for the family in Florida. So women had to be given that encouragement, that nurturing, that support, which um, Mother B, we called her. Um, Mother B learned in Florida when she took her family there. She operated a little store herself and she learned what community, how important community is to we, to those of us who are women and have families. And she said, you know, when I go back home, I'm going to make sure that I encourage people to uh, be supports for each other. So Mother B had um, daughters, which you've, you've mentioned, and they were also prominent. 
one of her daughters, um, Mary, became a pastor in a very prominent church in the United States. Oh, okay. Amazing. And that's right. And that was followed also by one of um, Sir Milo's daughters, as you know, Aunt Edna, Edna right. who was also a prophetic in the prophetic ministry. And they began the church in Carmichael road where they again helped the community the alpha and omega the alpha and yeah. omega which helped um, abandoned children abandoned women um mistreated women and families were, were always held in good care by the butler family wow. being edna and of course um, aunt mary and what i liked particularly was granddaddy's support for these women because even though he became the man of the house at an early age, you know, he not only looked up to his mom, but he made sure supported his sisters and his mother while they were in Florida. He worked, he made sure they were all well educated. And of course they brought a lot of those values back here. So while they poured into him, he also poured into them. Yes, he poured financially and with lots of love and protection. If they wanted to go in the direction of education, he said, no way will I ever put a bolster or obstacle in your way. He supported them. And I know when we were, I was uh, sent off to school, um, he congratulated my father wow. for seeing the foresight in giving his girls an education. Um, in our family, seven, there are four girls and three boys and every of, a person of the young girls uh, got an education abroad and Uncle Milo was right there supporting, yes, even financially, but always supporting. May I just add one more thing about his support of women and education? Um, and your Aunt Nita, Juanita, yeah. famous for her <laughs> own contributions in the field of education, education. R.M. Bailey. She was a leader. She went off to um, uh, West Africa, West Africa. Actually. Actually, and, uh, and headed up a school, school there, there. Yep. after uh, finishing in England. And Uncle Milo was right there with her in terms of support. So he was not a, a crusty man about women being involved and being educated. Because at the time that I was given my early ages, my early education, the question was, man, you should be barefoot and in the kitchen. What <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have babies and whatnot. Uh -huh. what, what are they educating you for? Right. And that, that, that for us, I think truly um, DeSante demonstrated, even though the fact that our grandfather was very limited in formal education, education. Yep. he actually invested so much in ensuring that his family were really educated. And I want to draw attention to the number seven. There's something magical, <laughs> you know, and biblical about number seven. seven, because all through our families, you hear about seven. You know, our grandfather and grandmother had seven sons. Yep. He said he asked the good Lord for seven yes. sons. His sister had seven children. Oh. Um, you know, he always talked about this seven, but he was highly biblical. But in listening to our cousin Ruby, I want to engage you because as a younger person, as a female activist, one who stood shoulder to shoulder with us to ensure that we try to um, educate our Bahamians on the reason why we need to have equality. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us, you know, any stories that you think will sort of parallel what you see that has come out of the life of Sir Milo and the women in his life? So I would think similar life story um, of my family, the Glintons. Um, my 
great-grandfather, Jarvis Clinton, was a taxi driver uh, with limited education, could not read, could not write. Um, however, he had a vision for his family, um, his daughters, to be educated. Um, my grandmother was passionate about reading, I guess, because her father made it important in their household for them to do better and be better. She passed it on to all of us. Um, I always tell people that I grew up in a family where each generation had to be better, do better, be um, have the opportunities to explore even more than ever before. And I think that's something that we see even in our, our, our younger generation today in my nieces and nephews. Um, they just buzz with excitement that I have never experienced in my life because every generation has grown. Um, my grandmother, uh, I think she, her education went up to grade eight and she was an entrepreneur. And I remember at a funeral, um, Gladys Anna Martin said, what my grandmother accomplished at such her age, yeah. at her time, to own a business, to be a single mother, um, to achieve so much was not heard of. And so we take it for granted as young entrepreneurs and, and, and these women who are buzzing in so many different industries. But to them, those were the exceptions. It was only a few, it was yeah. rare. Um, and so I never take it for granted. And I think that's why I'm so passionate. Um, that particular referendum, I always would remember my grandmother would say, anytime you're called to vote, do so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because there was a time as a black person, as a woman, you did not have that opportunity. So never take it for granted. Whether it's a yes, whether it's a no, whether it's for or against. Exercise your right. Exercise your right because it's a privilege. It's something she knew in such a time she didn't have it. And since she got the opportunity, she would never take it for granted. Yeah. That's amazing. Listen, you know, it's it's amazing. I feel like I'm in the in the uh, presence of just such incredible women. Loretta, you being the first female leader of the opposition, uh, Cousin Ruby being a retired justice of the Supreme Court, and of course you, DeSantis, just your whole experience with really championing the cause of women. As we think about 50 years now as an independent country, and we reflect on the story of Samilo and how he supported his sisters, how he supported his wife, uh, Lady Caroline, uh, tell me a little about where do you think we are as a country? Have we done enough? Where, where's, what's the state of play of women's rights? And what, what can we be doing as we think about the next 50 years of independence to make sure the trailblazers like Samilo and the work he did to make sure that women had education, particularly in his uh, immediate family and otherwise? Where are we as a country and, and what can we be doing uh, for the young people out there who don't understand, particularly the young women who are trying to figure out what is my place? In this, in this community, in this society? Well, frankly, that's a good question. Have we done enough? Um, I would say we've never ever reached the peak of enough, but we've come far yep. uh, within the 50 years. Um, I think there's still a lot more to be done with respect to uh, embracing women's pride in themselves and their, their wish to be a person separate and apart from perhaps the husband yep. or separate and apart from perhaps the brother. So we need to recognize that inherent desire of women to be recognized individually yep. and not as a, a pertinent part of a man. The other part, I think, is that women are desirous of being the head of many of the corporations. Yes. And it's very visible to me that they are taken um, for granted or not really expected to exceed in some of the top companies. You will always find that they'll put a man at the top and then put a, a woman as the acting uh, or assistant. Yeah. And that has yet to be achieved. As long as the company's doing well. Yes. Then when it's failing, then they'll put a woman there. 
<laughs> no, they they actually call it um, the slippery slope. Because, I mean, the glass cliff. I, yeah, the glass cliff, isn't it? You know, many times you see they've had they've had men at the helm mm -hmm. and a company starts not to do so well. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, well, you know, we can't put another guy there. Let this woman see what she, see can, what do. she can do. You yeah. know, and if she turns it around, God forbid. <laughs> well, that that's a part of it. But, you know, it's interesting because in all of this support that our grandfather actually had from the women in his life, um, one of the things that I remember um, explicitly, he did have some very hard and fast thoughts and ideas about women and how they conduct themselves, frankly, and, and how they care. For example, he, he didn't think we should straighten our hair mm -hmm. because he said there was no such thing as bad hair. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he didn't think we should cut our hair because he said a woman's hair is her A glory. If we showed up in a pair of trousers, in right. trouble. He, the first thing he would say, oh dear, I didn't know I had another grandson. <laughs> he was very pointed about that. Oh, I've, I've had that goodness. little bit. He was adamant. <laughs> yes. You know, but that is the school that he came from. And, you know, we saw that actually passed on to our fathers who, you know, we had to do it in doses, you know, in, 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 in things like getting our hair straightened or having our hair cut or, or even wearing trousers. But the one thing he did feel that it was important, most importantly, obviously, that we go to church and we understand those values of Christianity. But secondly, that we be educated mm -hmm. and educated to the to the best that they could afford. That's right. So, dear Sante, talk about how we strike this balance. As, as Loretta talks about this idea of Samilo and his traditional views around, you know, keeping your hair long or not, or not straightening it or not wearing pants. How do we strike this balance between women empowerment, but also some of the traditional values that I think we as a society still really want to honor? Is there a balance? Uh, yes and no. Um, and it all comes down to, I think, just allowing women the freedom to choose. Yep to honor themselves in the way that suits them, um, the way that you carry yourself, how you express yourself, and the way that you move, and the way that you speak, and what you wear, it's all an expression of yourself. And to allow, and, and well, I shouldn't say even allow, but to not interrupt a woman's choice to own her own identity, mm -hmm. and whatever that might be. Sure. Because well, for yeah. some women, wearing a dress is their femininity and how they want to express themselves, versus a power suit will do wonders in yeah. a boardroom. You get to choose. And I think just not interrupting that is where we need to strike the balance. Um, and speaking of how do we just change this and talk about this for other generations is that we educate. Such podcasts like this and, and conversations about legacy, um, sometimes we're missing that. Um, I, I always say that, you know, Sir Milo, your, your grandfather's conversation, you know, his name was at our table um, when we had Sunday dinners for my grandmother. Wow. So Celinda and Sir Milo, Lady Pinling, they were revered in our household. Um, my grandmother spoke of the stories. She shared what occurred. And a lot of that's missing. I remember sitting in social studies class and we would have just a snippet on, you know, different historical dates and it'll just be a paragraph. And I'm like, that's not what happened. Yeah. And I was so excited to share the real details as my grandmother would have shared. But I find that as we celebrate, we're not connecting that. A lot of the new generation, you know, doesn't know. It isn't even that whether or not they appreciate it, they just don't know. And so we have to do more to tell the stories, to have opportunities like this, conversations like this, so that 
as they choose, they don't forget where we've come from. You've said that so well, because, you know, Cousin Ruby, one of the things that Diasante talked about was the names of individuals around the dinner table. Yes. And so when we talk about the traditions, when we talk about the education, when we talk about the embracing of change, we actually used those times together as family to exchange our oral history. Exactly. You know? and our stories about our family um, and what was happening. We discussed the events of the day. Dame Dr. Doris Johnson's name would be a frequent comment that Sir Milo would talk to us about and hold up uh, for us to follow as a woman who has led the way. And an educated woman. And an educated yes. woman. He, he also would ask us to aim high, you know, as Dame did or as... Uh, my cousin Juanita, your aunt did, in education and in leading our young people in whatever way we felt uh, enabled to do. So he, he inspired people to reach for their better self, be they male or female. And the women in his life, whether it was his mother, his sisters, or his wife, what they did was make sure we had that home environment. Yes. Yes. You know, that environment that created the family, the family that ate together, that prayed together, that, you know, stayed together. I think those are those are some huge values that those women brought into his life that was imparted to us down the generations. You know, Loretta, as you think about, as, as you say this, the question I'm asking myself as a male, as a father is, what should I be doing? And maybe this is a question for all of you to chime in. About what, what should men who, like me, have positions of influence, you know, uh, at the top of a couple of corporate organizations, what should we be doing, in particular, we think about 50 years, how can we go on this journey? I think, you know, there's a bit of, we tend to be very delicate as men because we're not sure whether we, uh, we struggle with the tension of being traditional. We want the traditional woman, but then we don't want to go too far down the feminist or help us to strike the right balance around what we should be doing as men for those who are listening to this podcast to help drive this freedom this self-actualization that I hear you talk about in terms of women, women want the right to choose. How do, how, do we, how do we hold hands with you in helping to make you know, our country over the next 50 years, as I think about my daughter, Felicity, what, what should I be doing to make sure she has every right to choose and to, to make sure this is a place that she feels is a part of who she wants to be? So firstly, you said it as a father. So in the and, and a father figure, even if you're not, if someone is not traditionally a father, um, what we hear today is grandfather, great grandfather, and affirming and empowering. And I think having that voice to remind you, to reiterate that your dreams are possible, that where you want to reach is possible and tangible, to encourage you, to even challenge you. I think just hearing that makes a difference. Um, my father, you know, returning into my life just recently, he is one of my biggest cheerleaders. And I think still hearing him, even at my age, just reiterate what is possible and to believe I can do anything. It sets a different tone. Um, I think within our female circles, you know it. I think as a father, you just affirm it. You confirm it for them. Um, On a national stage or a bigger stage or within your boardrooms, it's being self-aware. 
aware of the decisions that you make, aware of why you make certain decisions, ensuring that at your table, you have a balanced representation of men and women um, advocating for your women. Uh, and for us, that looks a bit different. Yeah. That's just not at a seat at the table. It's ensuring that when I'm at the table, I'm supported within the workplace. How are you supporting me in your policies at work? Those little changes, that one instance, that one company can be a ripple effect for so many. And sometimes we want to change everything when we don't don't take a look at what we can change today, what's right in front of us. Yes. What do you have the power to change? How can you make maternity leave easier? How do you support a woman that's working and has a household to take care of at the same time? How do you provide flexible hours? Yep. COVID showed that we can work remotely, you know, and you can make, you know, a system mother be able to catch that child's play and also make her meeting and her reports. So take stock of what you have control of and influence that change wherever you are. And, and don't take that for granted. Yeah. Can you I ret retire justice? Yeah. You, you, you must have a say. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yes. if I'm going to pay devil's advocate, what else do you want retired justice? Uh, <laughs> I want to know that my man wants me to be safe, to, mm. to feel safe. Um, cuddled is a word, but not really cuddled, protected. Mm. That's right. And respected. That's right. And I think that that's something that women our society needs to see men and women working together. What do we want of you, Franklin? We want men like you to represent the best in men. Yes. Uh, of respect for women, safety for women, encouragement, which is what Diasante said, for our aspirations. Rather than always thinking of us as the stupid blonde or the yeah. stupid black haired, whatever you want to say, you know, that woman is dumb. Yeah. Our men tend to sometimes speak down about our women or my woman or whatever. Yeah. Speak about them with as respect. If, as if she's a chattel. Yes, mm -hmm. which she was legally That's at one right. time. Absolutely. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but we're not a piece of uh, ownership. Absolutely. And so I think our men need to be gracious. Um, I like men who hold the door open for me. Now they do it because they think I'm old. But I, <laughs> you know, the word like chivalry is charming. Yes, yes. Yeah. and I think it's lovely when you walk towards the door and someone turns and says, "Oh, just a minute," and they open, open the, the door, door for, for you. you. That's not often, but I I always turn back and I say, "Thank you so much." Yes. That's so true. that's what we want. We yeah. want that okay, new generation. Ballad. Yes, a healthy balance. A healthy balance. Yeah. And exactly. you know, I think I think the feminist movement truly portrayed women in such a negative light in that, you know, it almost seemed like we wanted to live without men in our lives, which we know biologically and humanly is not possible. Correct. Okay? If we're going to continue to to grow the generations, which is what we're all about. But you know, we look we look at that feminist movement and then of course men threw their arms up in the air and they were like, okay, so you guys want it all, do what you want. I like you and like you, we we still want men to show us those um, charming ways of opening doors and holding chairs and even holding our hands as we walk proudly with them down the aisle or down the street. I think that um, one thing that Mother Butler demonstrated for me especially is that while she was a strong individual, you know, she also understood the place that men held in her life. Yep. And so that for me is very, very important. Um, our grandmother, 
uh, Lady Caroline, you know, she obviously upheld the business while our grandfather was out doing so many things and very close to home on Jane. Yes. That's when great. Uncle Marcus died. Yes. She was able to hold up, you know, her business because one thing we were all armed with was that strong education, whether it was formal or whether it was something that we learned at their feet, to be able to be independent. That's right. Yeah. And and the men of our lives realized that these strong women were not strong just in and of themselves, but because they were present, because the men were there. So there was a respect for the male. Um, Aunt Jane, my mother, um, I, I can tell you quite honestly, uh, she was the, the greatest supporter of her husband. And uh, even though afterwards she became the businesswoman. That's right. And he supported her in every way that she could have wanted. Yeah. And so we want that, not just um, a shaking of the head, as it were, Franklin, but the vocal statements that need to be made. More communication. This is the other thing I think that yeah. our, our young men and young women don't seem to engage a lot in is just talking to each other rather than, um, you know, uh, thinking <laughs> thinking that you know what I know. Yeah. You know, the, the words, you know, you know. Yeah. Um, no, actually speak to me. Yeah. Tell me what you want and tell me what you feel. And let's have a conversation together. Let's grow together. Because there's so much outstripping that happens now when our girls do go away and get educated. And sometimes our young men feel that they've been left behind. Absolutely. And that, I think, is not what I would like. No. I'd like our young women to feel that there is a responsibility on their part to make sure that their male counterparts equal them as well. Yes. And are equally satisfied with what is happening in life. I love that. I really, really love that. And I'd love to hear from a younger person's perspective how she feels about that. Because sometimes, you know, we feel that maybe us older ones may be a little bit old fashioned or, you know, maybe we're out of touch. But dear Sante, speak to that. Speak to what Ruby just spoke about, about the value of the men in our lives, about how we as individuals, even though we have our own accomplishments, that we still want to have, you know, the niceties and the pleasantries that men can provide to us. Yes, um, I think I think like you said, feminine feminists and, and what have you has changed the conversation a bit. But the reality of it is, is that I may be strong, but I still want to be soft, if that makes sense, right? Um, we're still partners in this. And in doing so, we are yin and yang. We don't provide the same things. And and I still love the niceties. I don't think anyone doesn't. Um, as people um, in my age bracket would say, we need people to match our energy. You need someone that is working like you do, but also pouring into you the same way. It's not the same thing. We're pouring in different things. I provide support in a way that you may not do so and vice versa, but we're here providing the same, meeting us at the same base, at the same level. Um, I think that hasn't changed in this generation at all. I think um, what has changed is that women are more likely to demand it very much upfront. I think they're very. I think we're very vocal. I think we know more now of what we want, um, comparing it to the generations before. I think um, the men in our lives sometimes we try to hope that they get to that place. Yeah. Does that um, intimidate them? I mean, for the right ones, it doesn't. 
<laughs> you know, it's interesting what you say. It does it. You know, but I think this idea of feminism, and I'm just giving you know a male's perspective. You unsure of really what it means, and this yeah. is why I've asked the question to help draw out yeah. what is it that women are looking for. Because you know, obviously, I think yeah, we had a very male-dominated society, particularly traditionally, but I think a lot of men struggle with is your strength is the strength of the woman means that the man has no say. Do I have I lost my ability to be a Samilo says be the man of my to be the man of my house, and so I think this this notion that you guys talk about in terms of making sure that we, you know, pay respect that we still cuddle we still engage have conversations, conversations for men is not necessarily our thing. I mean, mummy was the only person that we really had conversations. <laughs> And that's often true in many families. Yep. But I think that even the children need to hear more from the men mm -hmm. about how they are valued in the household. There needs to be that spoken word of love and encouragement. And the tree grows much stronger because of it. Yep. So what do we want of you as young men, I think, and as older women, me? I would love to see the men come out as fully confident about themselves. Now, I must admit, having been a judge, I know that the power of women with their tongue to sometimes reduce men to all people, <laughs> yes. including men, is very telling and it hurts. Um, all of us use it improperly, mm -hmm. but I've heard a lot of it coming from women. So the caution is always to our young women to just be a little more gracious in the language that they use with their men. That's a good point. That's I found that our point. men are really fragile about hearing things. Absolutely. When they hear a sound from a woman that they are not quite satisfied or they can't satisfy, they shrivel, their soul dies because that's what they're there for, they think, to satisfy. Absolutely. And the woman knows that all she has to do is say two words, you can't. Absolutely. That's a very, very mm -hmm. good point. It kills. You know, but, you know, speaking to Franklin as a generation, a G3, you know, Franklin, I think that, you know, your life, truly, not because you're doing this podcast, but, you know, your life typically emulates that of what we would want a modern man to be like. Even in your corporate structure, the way that you promote your women, the way that you promote your wife, the way that you promote your daughter, those are the healthy relationships and interrelationships that are needed across the board, whether it's in family life, like how the women of Sir Milo's life influenced him, or in corporate life, the way that you, you celebrate the women around you. And I think that is so important. Um, obviously, you didn't just happen into that. You would have witnessed a lot of that. And let me tell you, Loretta, my own development, I will tell you, you, and I say this to my executive team, that conversations I've had with you have shaped how I think about my own leadership. When you shared with me this article around the glass cliff, I shared that with every single executive on my team, and I actually referenced you, didn't give them all the context, but that has actually helped me to think about it. And that's really what has led me to think about how do I continue to raise up the women around me. Actually, this week, my wife's at Harvard University doing a, a course, actually, in, in leadership. And so um, she is just lamenting how busy it is and she hasn't had time to connect. But 
When I think about the stories, though, that you're telling about Samilo and what he did for his mother, then I say to myself, ah, I thought it's because I had a daughter who was born four years ago. But in fact, this is probably deeper in me than I was even aware of until we've had some of these conversations with you, Cousin Ruby, and of course, you, Loretta, who've continued to cause me. And I've listened even to you about your own journey in politics and how you felt in our family that we've not given women the level of support that they've needed. And so, as you know, I've been very intentional now. About Thank goodness em- I'm out of politics you. now. Let's just clarify that. You know? <laughs> I wish not, but yeah. <laughs> you know? But I've been very intentional about embracing it now and making sure that when I can, I can do whatever I can to support women in leadership um, and women who have aspirations, uh, not because of Felicity now, but I'm conscious of the fact that Samilo and those who've gone before, this is probably a part of our DNA in many ways, which I was not necessarily aware of. So thank you again for your contribution. And Cousin Ruby, this idea of powerful women, we've got them spotted scattered throughout our family throughout because because when we look when we look at all of our female and male counterparts but particularly in this context we're talking about the women in sir milo's life none of the women were denied that education that's correct none that's right we were all afforded that opportunity and people often ask the question well, why would you have gone with a different political party or whatever the case may be? Or why did you do this differently? And my answer has always been, our grandparents, our parents before us, they educated us, not just for us to say that we're educated, but for us to make our own Own decisions and determination. They never told us, and correct me if I'm wrong, they never told us that you must do this or you must do that. Because it was important for us to be able to reach this thing I like to talk about, self-actualization. I think you're right. They led by example. But what is more, Asamilo, I think, showed us that courage was important. Yes. And so that um, male or female, stand for what you want to stand for and be proud of it. You're, You're black. You're coming from a family that is a very tight, small family, be courageous to stand up for that. Don't cringe about it. Speak up. And so there you are. You're an example of what Uncle Milo would have wanted his young nieces, nephews, granddaughters to be, because he gave you that sense of courage, even in the face of attacks. Yes. So Milo, I can almost see him straightening his shoulder. I know what I want. And I'm going to do, as I've told you, I will, and then walk out of this house (laughs) (laughs) or whatever. I'm not going to spare this rod to spoil this child. (laughs) Possibly not that, you know. But but it was a sense of the courage of your conviction. And and I think that, Loretta, you've exampled that for us and for all of our young women in in this family. Because we have, uh, I have daughters. And uh, you have one as well who's been in the medical field. And, and they're spreading into different areas in That's which right. it takes courage for a woman to be the single surgeon. Yes. Female. That's right. And yet you look at... And to some, excel. And excel. And to excel. And yet you look at Uncle Milo and you say, yes, he was a single black man who knew at that time that there was a purpose for him being there, being black, and being 
a man. That so, is so well said. Important. He was totally supportive. And you know, it's interesting. Um, Diasante, you might find this interesting because one of the things that we learned in our legacy, I remember being um, not physically, but verbally attacked by one sect of my cousins because of the decision I had made. And, you know, we happened to be in one of those family settings on a Sunday afternoon when many families are together. And, of course, our grandfather had dece was deceased at the time, but it was his son, Uncle Frank, that stood up for me and basically told my other cousins that, you know, she's free to do whatever it is that she wants to, to do. do. She has the um, mind and is of sound mind to make these determinations. And so I think that when we talk about the influence of women in granddaddy's life, we also have to understand that they actually created a balanced environment in our household where we supported each other. Yes. Yeah. We supported each other fully. Uh, males supported females and the females were there to support the men. Yeah. So Cousin Ruby, if you could make the connection of, you know, you know, Francis Butler and the women's suffrage movement and how these stories of connected to Samilo and the legacy of the Butler. Make that connection for our listeners because I think there's a, a very interesting connection that I think is important, particularly as your sister Marion yes. does a lot of work now to champion this cause. Yes, my my sister, my dear sister Marion Bethel Sears has been an, a, a spokeswoman for uh, women's uh, equality, etc. But Sir Milo, uh, through his mother and his sisters, yeah. by the way, my mother and all of the sisters signed the petition that um, Dr. named Dr. Doris Johnson circulated at that time. So the whole family was involved. That's right. This wow. was not just um, Dame Dr. Doris and Sir Milo. Yeah. His sisters were there physically. Wow. And so that's important. The other importance that I think comes out very much in the fact that for women, Sir Milo is a champion, yes. and he wanted always to be that, even for the teller at the Royal Bank of Canada. Yes. When he went into the bank, he saw all of these tellers who were not didn't women. Didn't look like us. And yeah. didn't look like us. <laughs> I, like, I like that phrase. They didn't yeah. look like they us. They didn't look like us. And he encouraged the young women to get in there, get qualified, so that when he walked in Royal Bank, there were all female yes. tellers. Yes. And they knew that he was their backer. They knew that he stood for them. And so that's what I think we can see in Sir Milo and we can see him trickling in, even impliedly in lots of the things that I've done in my move with the Constitutional Commission. Yes. For but even being equality. a qualified a female attorney, one, yes. of, one of the early female yes. attorneys at the Bahamas Bar. Well, thank you, you know, for drawing that out. You know, yes. I think, I think right. that's important to note because, once again, that was a very male-dominated field. And so, you know, while she rose to the pinnacle of the legal profession, she was actually one of those real early females in there. Mm. And that's important. Yes. I was the fourth, fourth I think. Um, right now, I'm probably the, the third probably, person. And, and probably yes. still, one, still one of the most seniors. <laughs> Very senior. Um, yes, that's true. And uh, I went into a church organization of all males, 
I felt confident of myself enough to become educated. And I knew that uh, Samilo's backing was there. He's a strong churchman. And I became yeah, um, the bishop's advisor as chancellor. All of these Which were opportunities. Which is a very powerful position in the Anglican, Anglican Church yep. for people who don't know. Thank when you, you become chancellor, it's 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 like a princess of of the church, really. You know. But all of these are possibilities that I saw as realities for me. Yep. There was no obstacle that if I wanted, I could not achieve. Wow. And I believe that that's part of the DNA that you have, Loretta, and that our boys also have. And I want that to be permeated to the women that I meet as I teach every day. I'm always offering a little word of encouragement that you're here today, but you can be somewhere even better tomorrow. I love and that. And keep that hope alive. Yeah. I love that. Because we are intrinsically made to be a success, if I can call it that. Now, a success doesn't mean wealthy all the time. Yes. It means in our own way of being that we are successful. And I feel comfortable with myself. That's another word I'd like to hear you about. Women are often not comfortable about themselves. Wow. And I find that amazing that they have to remake themselves. Again, you know... Desante, I, you want to speak to that? Because that's interesting. I'm wondering if that discomfort that Ruby speaks about probably undermines um, sometimes, not just with ourselves, but with other females, you know, the cattiness, the jealousies, the envies, that type of thing, the non-support. So firstly, with the changes that we make, again, I think it's it's when someone chooses to do it for themselves. So there are some women who are making changes because it, it makes them feel better. And then there are others who are doing it for the, what I would consider the wrong reasons, to satisfy others. And so you have that balance. I, I always laugh with my nieces because they have natural hair. And I remember being the only one in my family with natural Actually, hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a big thing because everyone in my family had perm hair. And now I watch them and they love their natural hair and they don't even think about perming it. And it's been the shift because, you know, some acceptance. of those, yes, acceptance. acceptance, my niece found out she needed braces and she said, as long as it doesn't change my smile. And I said, see, I've, I, I've done well. You, yeah. You're so confident in yourself because she's been raised in that environment that speaks to her loving herself and, and, and knowing herself. And that's the key thing, knowing yourself. A lot of people don't know who they are. They don't know what they're called to do. They don't know their purpose. And so that knowledge gives you the confidence. When you know what you've been called to do, who you've called to serve in this life, um, the greatness that you've been called to achieve, I think it gives you a sense of confidence to be sure of yourself. Yes. Um, so and Milo then, must have been a renaissance man. A real renaissance You know man. why I say that? When you talk about the natural hair... Oh, I think it. he would be in his glory yes. today to see the amount of women yes. that yes. are just like natural hair, yes. you know? I mean, it's it's amazing how life comes full circle, but that would have been something he'd be like, your hair is beautiful. Yeah, exactly. we love it here. Exactly. <laughs> you know? We love it here. Yeah. But um, in the bigger scope of things, when we talk about our relationship with other women, and, and like you said, the cattiness and those things, I think, firstly, it's it's unfortunate that there's this expectation that we will always or have to, as women, support each other, right? Um, because we don't require it for men. Men are not required to support all men because they don't. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, as women, because you're a woman, I must support you. I think as a woman, I shouldn't hinder you. 
from one woman to another, but that doesn't mean that I must automatically be the number one person in your corner. Because if you're not the most qualified, I should be honest with that. Yeah. If you need help and improvement, <laughs> I should be honest with you that. You just blew my ego. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So I think that's where, but I think also you shouldn't not support another woman just because she's a woman. That's the same vein. Um, it's unfortunate that sometimes people think that way. Yeah. Um, in the vote yes campaign, um, you heard, I think I heard the worst comments ever. Mm. Um, not about the bill and not what we were trying to accomplish, but just people's understanding of women. Some people thought that by voting yes, it meant the right for women to become the prime minister. And I was like, but a woman yeah. could become prime minister. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I won't vote, vote against that. And I was oh. like, no, you can't, right? But we have a lot more work to do. Yeah. Uh, but I think some of I didn't our- know that. You know, yeah, I'm serious. Listen. I did not know that that was what some people- <laughs> But it wouldn't yeah, surprise it me. It was rough. It was really rough. <laughs> Rough. That, that referendum was very rough because it just got so confusing for a lot of people and a lot of people just allowed their uh, emotions. emotions and also their hatred yeah. um, towards a certain gender to just show. And it was very surprising what people thought of women, yeah. how they valued women. But I think confidence when you're confident within yourself you don't pull down another woman yes. you don't um you don't try to hinder that other woman's progress by any means for me i think we should be in a safe space to say hey you're my sister and in being my sister i should be able to say you have some work to do yeah. and i'll help you do the work um it should not mean that all of a sudden you're qualified either um i think i think overall though it just speaks to uh a lot of work to be done but as you said earlier what do women want we want different things Yes, I think where we try to categorize that as one thing is where we get confusing um, and where people tend to argue and, and have issues is because we keep trying to define one thing. Women want different things. Yeah. We are we are different beings, different ages, different uh, backgrounds. We want different things. But I think the general is that we want to be respected. We want to be protected. We want to be valued in whatever that is. And I think we just want the freedom to yeah. choose. So let me ask, ladies. I'm going to put the elephant in the room right on the table. After all this work that Samilo has done, others continue to do all the work that you guys have done in your own lives, we still don't have equal rights and opportunities for women in our country. What do we do about this? Loretta, I know you have been an advocate for this in your political career as well. Help, help me, help us navigate what has to be done to change the Constitution to make sure you have the same rights as, as men in our country. What do we need to do? Well, let's look at what Mother Butler and those did. I mean, sometimes you've got to look, I believe, Franklin, and I think Ruby can speak to this because Marion has written extensively about this. One of the things that that generation was able to do was to collaborate across racial divides, economic divides, everything. They saw that it could not have been politicized. Yeah. That was the first thing. And... I'm talking about the suffrage movement, that yes, is. Yes. Um, you know, it wasn't driven by the politicians. Interesting. That's it was true. not driven by the politicians. Every referenda that we have had in this Bahamas... Has been driven by the politicians. Was driven by politicians. Yes. Correct. So this if we're going to do it again, it has to be something that comes and rises up from the grassroots from the need, I believe, I mean, I could be wrong, but if we were to use the roadmap of strong women like um, our great grandmother, 
like Eugenia um, Lockhart, like um, all of these, all of these women that were there, Dame Doris Johnson. Dame Doris Johnson really was not politically involved when she came back. Mm -hmm. She was a very educated woman mm -hmm. that the grouping saw who could represent them yes. effectively and communicate. And that is how she got pulled into politics. But the movement was a grassroots movement that caused us to have universal suffrage today. A grassroots movement of education and community. I, I recall being told by my mother that she was a member of the lodge. That's right. Wow. And there were other community organizations. But the lodge would speak about wow. registering to vote. Mm -hmm. They were an integral part. And the sisters part. would go around to houses in their neighborhood and talk about, you know, you, you need to go out and register. And they would educate the women. They saw that as a purpose that they had to take on. And so I think now for the future, what we need to realize that to change any cultural uh, presence that seems to be blocking this, what we call recognition of women as being equal in that sense, is that we must begin with education of our young, as well as education of even the older family member yep. who is probably the most unlikely to change because they've grown up with certain set beliefs yep. that women should sit quiet and be still. And, you know, you must not go out uh, after nine o'clock or whatever may be the restrictions. Just sitting quietly, talking, educating, encouraging. And I don't see us knitting that in together as much as we should yet. I think I think you're absolutely correct because lodges were 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 community, were civics, were sisters supporting sisters, brothers supporting brothers. Diasante, in your position, while I know your passion for this, um, I think that one of the things that, you know, if we are to look at this question of equality or anything else of that nature that requires a referendum. We need to engage. People no longer trust politicians. I mean, that's the reality. They look at politicians generally as not being straightforward, not all. How do you feel about that, starting with the University of the Bahamas, the grade schools, the um, and, you know, and coming up through the generations outside of politics for those changes. I agree wholeheartedly. I think uh, we, the people, have to be the change. Um, I think if we're waiting on the politicians, it has to work within their agenda. So we'll have to wait for them to determine when it's right, when it impacts us each and every day. Uh, I think it's important because you have to shift the conversation. And the conversation happens at that level. When you're in the beauty shops, in the barber shops, that's where the conversation takes place. That's where the influence takes place. When And that's where we had some of the conversations for the referendum. Mm -hmm. In those same spots, in those community spots, we realize that unless we shifted those conversations, we wouldn't be able to shift the vote. Uh, because the reality of it is, is that 
your everyday life, who you're speaking to, your real influencers. Yes, we talk about social media influencers, but I'm talking about your real influencers in life, those people you engage with. If they're not talking the talk, if they're not shifting your focus or shifting your, shifting your perspective, you would always be boxed into those same traditional beliefs. And I think um, in the initial question of how do we shift this whole thing, I think we have to stop thinking that women are going to do it alone. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when something happens to women in this country, if a major case happens or a major yeah, yeah. situation, we always speak to the six women in parliament and I'm like, they can't fix or change anything on their own. Yeah. We, why don't we ask the fathers, the husbands, where do they stand on these key issues? If we keep making it a women's issue, then only women can fix it. And that's going to be impossible. We do not achieve majority rule. Just powerful. men. Yeah. We needed the women. So now to achieve equality, I think we need women and men. Yes. And we have to come together. And I think that's what's really missing. Well said. Yeah. Very, Very well, well said. said. Totally well done. Totally. Um, I, I totally agree that I think the question for, for us now is wh when does the movement start? What can we do? I mean, and this is a question I ask myself. Loretta, you know a little bit of the work that we've done with women in leadership at our organization. Um, but maybe this is one of the things that I need to broaden beyond the corporate environments to talk about the women support you you support the women <laughs> i try my best you know <laughs> exactly these women these and it's just how these women supported sir Milo. you know when when you know sir loft um uncle loft uncle loft has reminded us last week that you know when sir Lyndon was going to throw the mace out the window and sir Milo decided he was going to throw the hourglass they summoned the people and yeah. they came down, yes down. they yeah. came yes. they came in droves and the majority of those people were women absolutely yes. mm -hmm. absolutely that's true absolutely and in the past, the, the support would have been, let's say, at fairs or picnics, et cetera. This is a different generation. The support is obviously education or just schooling or podcasts or even access um, to, to short courses. Yeah. These are areas in which a woman sitting in an island sort of environment can quietly improve herself. Agreed. And these are where we can make an impact okay, and make a difference. One minute. You know, Cousin Ruby, you talked, just touched a little bit on the social gatherings that the women did. You know, whether it was through the Mother's Club, the YWCA, or even the picnics on the park. Those were places where women gathered their families and they were influencers. How do you, how do we translate that today? to actually get young people or people in general, Bahamians in general, motivated the way those women were able to motivate their society? I think that the way in which our foremothers motivated was very simple, very real. Uh, feeding the poor, my grandmother, Samilo's uh, mother, yep. um, was instrumental in holding every year what was called a fair for the poor and free food was given um, at that time supported by persons like as you said Sir Roland Simonet who gave financially to make sure that this happened we do this now through our churches sometimes in in having um, soup kitchens but we need more of that. Maybe um, some of these, uh, what do you sort of crop up soup kitchens? Pop I don't know what you yeah, call the pop ups. Pop -ups yes, mm -hmm. women need to think about doing what is very feminine: feeding, caring. So having a pop up 
little kitchen uh, at the corner of um, wherever you live and offering food. And gathering. Gathering, talking at that time. You get to the people who aren't ordinarily available, but they they would love to be a part of the family that eats together, as it were. Absolutely. So we do what is feminine. Yeah. We so feed. They didn't just give the food away. They actually, when they came together, they actually sat and fellowshiped and, yes. and conversed and shared those yes. values. Yes. And maybe the communication is what we're lacking, you know, and ensuring that people fully understand. You know, we to also, to, and I'm going to come back to you, Diasante, so that you can expound on this. But, you know, we talk about Mother Butler and her being a mover and shaker. Here is a woman that descended from Eleuthera. She was Methodist by religion, and the church that she attended was predominantly white. Yes. And Sir Roland Simonet attended that very same church, and they had segregation in that church, but she was such a dominant woman. Wow. She sat in the very first pew on the southern side of that church every Sunday. I mean, she was our very own Rosa Parks, if you will. Wow. And... If you go to Ebenezer today, her grave is just outside that southern window. That's mm-hmm. her prominence, her domination, her her strength of character and belief in herself, where no one could could we need women like that that are going to do these gatherings, in my opinion, um, that are, you know, be gentle in sharing, because she was gentle. What how how do you feel that we can work with our younger people and the current generation, Diasante. I think uh, just listening in and, and seeing what was done, um, we don't need to recreate the wheel. Those same things are needed today, and what's needed is genuine connection. Yeah. Yes. Um, a lot of times when you hear of activities, it's done with a political reason. You yeah. know, we have give backs and, and, and giveaways, or you have people who do it for the photo ops. Yeah. So they come, they give out soup, they leave you know, take their photos and leave. I think when you sit down and talk and have a conversation, hear someone out, hear where they are, feel for them, you know, and, and be able to connect with people genuinely. I think that's the part that's missing, Missing not the event. The event itself is needed. Yeah. The programs and initiatives seem valuable. That's what people are needed today. But I think we have to go back to that genuine connection. Um, and it goes back to just having that greater purpose, that greater passion to help people, to uplift our country, to uplift communities. And, and I think a lot of times we miss that. Like a lot of times people can't hear us at the so grassroots. So is this something we can do for the 50th anniversary yeah. of our country? Yes. To yeah. make sure that we grow our country in a direction that we want? Yeah. Very like, much. Uh, <laughs> so I, I hope I, I'm not putting you on the spot oh, yeah. here. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, we have some exciting events coming up. Um, I think that the committee uh, led by Ambassador Leslie Bryce is focused on ensuring that we have a celebration that meets everyone wherever they are. Wherever you are, you find something on that calendar that speaks to you as a Bahamian, that makes you proud, but also engages you to get involved. Uh, Community level events, uh, national events, there are things for community service and engagement, connecting. There's a family event um, to bring the families together and celebrate Bahamian families. And then what I'm really excited about is a grand event to celebrate our women. Um, Because a lot of events, as you're talking, you hear a lot about our forefathers, but there's this one specific event. 
I don't want to spoil the surprise, um, but where we want to celebrate and honor all of these women. Um, and we want to invite uh, women and everyone to not just honor, you know, the names that we know or that we need to know, but honor the women in your life yeah. that has ushered in and, and, and catapulted your family in whichever way that may be. You know, I love the idea, and I'm sure we haven't heard everything that you're going to do. But, you know, with a lot of these events, they're either by invitation mm -hmm. or there's a price cost. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, when we talk about the evolution, the strength of the women behind Stromilo, you know, there were a lot of things done, but they were accessible to Correct. everyone. Yes. Yes. Accessibility, I think, is key. Because not everyone can afford to buy a ticket for a ball. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to be invited because they may not be on the A list or mm -hmm. the B list. I think, um, you know, and I maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking out of place here, but you know, in terms you're hitting it right you know, on no, in you got terms it. of in terms of if we're going to use these examples that have gone on ahead before, you know, a lot of the things we did did not have a a price tag. Correct. That's right. Correct. It needs to be available for the common yes. woman or common man. Common. Yes. So that is definitely that's definitely hitting the nail on the head. That's the intent um, for a lot of the events to yes. be accessible. Yes. Um, when the calendar was being put together, who will attend? Making sure that we did not, you know, have a lot of barriers to, to attend and to experience and to be involved because to create it for the Bahamian people is to make sure that they can access it. Um, and not just in Nassau, we wanna make sure that the family islands are connected and are accessing all of these events. And so I believe that we've done that and I look forward to sharing that um, with the rest of the committee. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. This is so exciting. I mean, just to hear the stories, uh, Lorelei must tell you, cousin Ruby, Diasante, I now understand a little bit more about who I am and my role in supporting women in leadership. And so I just want to thank you guys for joining us on the show. But before we wrap up, I wanted to ask Loretta, Diasante, Cousin Ruby, any final words in terms of what we should be doing to make sure we advance the plight of Samilo and his support for women? I know this is 50th. I, he I hear the surprises that are to come, but I would encourage, as you've said, what is it that men can do, particularly in this 50th anniversary? Is it us showing up to these events? What, what do we need to be doing to make sure that the next 50 years in our country, we have real equal rights for men and women in our country? And how, how do you get our audience to truly engage in this discussion and not have it as one that only impacts us when we have kids who marry a foreigner? Mm -hmm. Well, Frank, I'm so happy that we are fortunate to have Diasante and to have um, our cousin, retired Justice uh, Ruby, who's able to share from their perspective. But, you know, the question was asked at the 50-year juncture, where do we go from here? Yes. How do we become a more resilient country? How do we appreciate who we are as a people? What is the next cause? I think the next cause definitely is for people to understand their self-worth their values, um, the fact that they can be anything that they want to be. Through education, through hard work, how do we make this happen? I think we've got to level the playing field so that accessibility is there, so that people don't have excuses that they couldn't afford it. Yes. We know education is free, but how do we make sure that people 
take advantage of that. And that is why I'm going to reiterate that anything we do in terms of our 50th anniversary, that if at all possible, make it totally accessible. And let us look at the stories and values of those who've gone before and how they got their message out. That's 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 That would be my take on it. Thank you, Loretta. Diasante, any thoughts? Uh, so I would want to close just again saying thank you for having me. Um, I think the best thing or in my years of understanding is just that advocacy starts at that same dinner table. Yeah. That's where it started for me. Um, telling those stories, sharing, you know, what has happened in our country, share what's happening in your own family, you know, just listening to your wonderful stories. I'm just thinking back because my mom was a bank teller and she would tell that same story about Samilo sitting in the <laughs> bank and saying he's not moving until he looked like him. Absolutely. And so those stories make a difference. Um, and it helps us to be confident in who we are and assure us of where we're going. And I think we have to get back to that same conversation at that same level in the communities, in our homes, so that we can shift the conversation, shift our perspective. When we think about equality, we don't just see it as something women need to accomplish or figure out, but something we all have to help towards and achieve. Very well said. I think I'd like to also support all that you've said, dear Sante. I'm so impressed with you as a young person moving into this country and leading. But for those of you who are also as young and male, I have two words. I'd like to see you more accessible and also aware of the fact that you are a role model. Yeah. Each of us should be visually and aware that they're looking at us, the children are. That's why they mimic the gang or yep. the drug dealer. Yep. So be more of a role model. Be visible, be accessible, and be communicative. Not just the silent walker, yes. but the actual doer. Around the table, have dinner. Have lunch with the family. Be present. We, be mm -hmm. present. Yes. Be present. Mm -hmm. We tend to do too much of the TV in between all yes. of us yes. or intersecting with the others or the computer. Be present. Be physically accessible and be that role model, realizing that you are, in everything you do, the image that that child wants to be yes. or will be. So true. Yep. And that's what Samala was for me. And that's why I believe to this day, uh, through all of the uh, ups and downs that life throws your way, I was always confident that I could do it yeah. and that I would have the courage uh, to get through the event, whatever it was, that there was Samilo who knew his own strength, but was willing to share that strength with his sisters. Yeah. My mother was always talking about her brother. She worked with him in the early days and her brother was like uh, the, the center of her life. He was the only brother, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But be that role model in whatever way you can and the family unity will always come together in one way or the other. But so thank because, you for having me. Not because you're our cousin, but I have got to tell you, we cannot close this out without saying that Ruby epitomizes what this legacy podcast mm -hmm. is all about. Absolutely. She has been a pioneer and a trailblazer in arenas of her own 
and in national arenas. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of that harkens back not just to, well, to her grandmother. That's right. Yep. You know, it goes right back to her grandmother, Generation O, if we call it. Yep. And so we're very, very proud of Cousin Ruby. And Diasante, with her very, very deep familial roots as well, and parallels yes. to what the butlers have gone through, mm -hmm. yes. is well on a... Uh, what should I say, a plane to higher heights. And we, we want to really, really thank you for that as well. You're an amazing young woman, and we believe that you're going to help to reinforce all of those causes as to why um, we're going to be better over the next 50 years. And to you, thank my you. dear cousin, we ain't gonna let you sell yourself short either. <laughs> because right. you are an extraordinary leader in our family, leader in public life as you've gone through in politics. And I see the connections now between retired justice and yourself. Uh, as you think about the story of Francis Butler and all that's happened in our country. And I want to personally thank all of you. But to you, my dear, because you know I love you so much. I love you and too. And I'm so proud to be hosting this podcast with you, which is a testament to the work of when men partner with women, the impact that we can have in our community. And so just as we close, I want to just thank again our sponsors, the Butler Legacy Foundation, for making this podcast possible. And then, of course, the current Echo here, this beautiful facility at Bahama, who have committed this space to us for this podcast. Thank you guys so much for continuing to, to partner with us. And we look forward to your continued partnership as we move to the next several episodes. And I'll just in closing, I got to tell you, yes, you must give me the last word. <laughs> I really enjoyed this podcast because we outnumbered you today. L listen, we, there's three to one here. <laughs> we got women on this podcast today. All I will say is it takes a confident man. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the point. That's the point. We love it. Thank you very and much. And you are that role model. Yeah. Thank, Thank you all you. so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.